Good morning. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. It can be found on page 887 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, What will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep from it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them not to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot keep from speaking about what we have been, seen and heard. This is the word of God for the people of God. According to the Gospel of Matthew, the final thing that Jesus says in this world before he goes to be with his Father, his last words are these. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. Go make disciples. When was the last time you made a disciple of Jesus Christ? When was the last time under the leadership of the Holy Spirit... You shared your faith with someone. My name is Rob Lau. I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer Church. And as we begin this Lenten journey, as we journey with Christ towards his cross, we're beginning a new series. It's called Good News. That's, that's what the gospel means, by the way. It means good news because the life, death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, good news for everybody, the entire world. And throughout the course of the series, we're going to strive to understand that God calls all of us, every person, everyone in this room, none of us are exempted. God calls all of us to share our faith regularly and responsibly. 
And if we're going to do that, there's no way of getting around this. If we're going to share our faith regularly and responsible, responsibly, we're actually going to have to talk to somebody at some point about Jesus. And that will feel uncomfortable at first. And culturally, it's a little bit weird. You know how I know? Because just a minute ago when I said, when was the last time we made a disciple? I could feel the weirdness come into the room. So, if it's uncomfortable, and if it's weird, why in the world should we do this thing? Why should we share our faith with other people? Well, there are a couple of good reasons, but you want to hear the first and the best? Because Jesus Christ commanded us to. Jesus commanded us. His final commandment, his great commission on our lives, go make disciples. Now, here's the thing, it happens in Matthew 28, but throughout the gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us to do a lot of things, and most of the time we don't do them. Like in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, love your neighbors. No, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. And I feel like rather than loving our enemies and praying for people who persecute us, oftentimes in the midst of our day and age, oftentimes we're just, we're looking for excuses to make somebody else a new enemy. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, if somebody offends me, then I'm supposed to go and talk to that person, but it's so much easier just to hold a grudge. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, We're supposed to tithe. Most Christians don't do that. So if all throughout Matthew, Jesus, our Lord, has commanded us to do things, and all throughout Matthew and all throughout our lives, we've said, no, what in the world makes me think that we're going to do something that's uncomfortable and weird? Well, here's why. We just finished the series called All In. It's a three-week series about making Jesus Christ the center of our lives. And how until Jesus is the center of our lives, we're never going to have balance. We're never going to fulfill the purpose that God has given to us until Jesus is at the center. And if Jesus is going to be at the center, there's no two ways about it. If Jesus is going to be at the center, I have to do what he commands. So let's start here with his final command, his great commission. Let's learn how to share the gospel. Jesus commanded us to do it. Will you obey? That's the first reason we share the gospel. Jesus said so. But it's not the only reason. There's a second one. It's found in our scripture passage today from Acts chapter 4. Peter has just healed a man who had been a beggar at the the beautiful gate of the temple. Peter just healed the guy under the power of the Holy Spirit. And after he healed the guy, a big crowd showed up. So Peter and John got arrested. They were taken before the Sanhedrin, the same group of people that just weeks ago had conspired to crucify Jesus. And they asked him, the Sanhedrin says to Peter, they said, under whose authority did you heal this man? And here's what Peter says. He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. Now, listen to this part in particular. There is salvation in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Did you hear that? There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name given to us under heaven that we can call upon for our salvation. One reason we share the gospel is because Jesus Christ commanded us to. But there's another reason behind this great commission of Jesus. It's that there is no other name that can save us. Jesus Christ is the only hope to experience free, abundant, and eternal life. He's the only hope. Let's unpack that for just a moment. Because it's an, it's an interesting claim to make in our day and age. Now, my guess is most of you agree with this. But just to make the point that Jesus is, in fact, the only hope. If there had been another way for God to reconcile with humanity, if there had been another way for God to restore relationship between humanity and God, if there had been another way other than the cross and God still sent Jesus to the cross, it would make God into a tyrant. If Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, if there was another way and God sent Jesus anyway, God becomes a tyrant. That's not all. You know, Jesus does not claim to be one of many paths to God. In our culture, this has become the, the normal idea that there are many pathways up the mountain to God, but that's not what Jesus says. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. Now, every time, every time I have this conversation about the centrality of Jesus in this salvation equation that it can't happen without Jesus, eventually somebody asks me this question. They say, well, Pastor, what about people who've never heard the gospel or never heard its fullness? And that's a great question. If there was a way for God to restore salvation to the world without the cross and God sent Jesus anyway, God becomes a tyrant. If Jesus isn't the only way to God and he said he was, Jesus is a liar. But what about people who have never heard the gospel in its fullness? Well, that's a great question. The Bible has a great answer. In Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about something called natural revelation. And what Paul says is that God is revealed through nature, that the creation helps to reveal the creator. And so people who have never heard the gospel in its fullness can hear the gospel through the experience of nature. But that's not Paul's point, and it's not our point for today. They should not have to Whittle together the gospel from looking at nature. The point is that there are people in our lives who are searching. In your life and in my life, people are searching for freedom from their sin and from their pasts. People are searching for their center, for balance in their life. And the primary method, the primary mechanism God uses to bring hope into people's lives is you and me. There are people we interact with every day whose souls are yearning to be in relationship with the one who created them. You know, it's built into us, that desire for truth. And we have it in the form of Jesus Our task is to share it. Why? Because Jesus commanded us. And because it is the only hope that our neighbors, our loved ones, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, it is the only hope the world has to live free, abundant, and eternal life. But, truth be told, there's actually a third reason 
I think that we need to share our gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of our lives and God's work in our lives with other people. And it may not be something you've expected or even heard of before. I want to walk with you a little bit through the book of Acts for just a couple of moments. We're going to look at four different scripture passages. We're going to go very quickly. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2 with me beginning in verse 1. Here's something that you may not have known about the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts could be called the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels according to Jesus. Jesus is the main character. They tell the good news based on Jesus' life. But the book of Acts... We might think that the main character in Acts is Peter or or Paul, but that's not true. The main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel according to the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you a phenomenon that happens all throughout the book of Acts. And again, you may have never noticed it before. Starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them. A tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. The Holy Spirit falls. Now look over in verse 41 with me. Peter preaches a sermon, and watch what happens next. In verse 41, So those who welcomed Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. The Holy Spirit shows up in power. Disciples are made. Now flip over to Acts chapter 5 with me, if you would. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles. Hang on just for a second. Who, who is the one that gave them the power to accomplish these signs and wonders? The Holy Spirit, yes. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Yet more than ever, more than ever, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Great numbers of both men and women. The Holy Spirit showed up in power. Disciples were made. Would you look with me at Acts chapter 8, please? Beginning in verse 5. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. He proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds, with one accord, listened eagerly to what was being said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs he did for unclean spirits, crying out with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed, and many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. Who empowered Philip to do this work? The Holy Spirit did. Now look down at verse 12. When they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. The Holy Spirit showed up in power and disciples were made. One last example. It comes from the next chapter, Acts chapter 9, in verse 40. Peter Peter, uh, finds himself in a room with a corpse. A woman by the name of Tabitha, sometimes she's called Dorcas in the Bible, has died. And the faithful brought Peter in. And watch what Peter does. In verse 40, Peter put all of them outside the room and he knelt down and he prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed up, showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Do you see? Do you see? 
There are two ways that you could think about this passage. The first is, I could say, well, the Holy Spirit showed up in power, so people became disciples. Because the Holy Spirit showed up, folks followed Jesus. But I think that's a misunderstanding of this text. The Holy Spirit didn't show up so they could share the gospel. The Holy Spirit showed up because they were willing to share the gospel. Said differently, if we look at the work of God, here's what we see all throughout the book of Acts, the gospel of the Holy Spirit. Each time the Holy Spirit shows up in power, it is for the sharing of the gospel. Every single time the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in Acts, disciples are made. So what is the lesson here is the lesson, church. If I want the Holy Spirit's power to show up in my life, I need to seek out opportunities to share Jesus. Sharing Jesus Christ unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Think about that for a moment. Do I really want more of God's power in my life? If the answer is yes, how? Simple. If I want God's power to flow through me, I have to be willing to do the primary work that God calls each one of us to do. The final commandment, the great commission. I have to be willing to make disciples. We share the gospel because Jesus told us to. We share the gospel because it is the only hope for our neighbors and our loved ones, our family members, our co-workers, and our friends. And we share the gospel because when we do so, it unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend the rest of our series talking about how to share the gospel. But today is just about winning our hearts It's about believing with all of our being that God has called you to share his love with the people in your life. In the coming weeks, both in worship and in our small groups, we're going to talk about how. How how do we share the gospel well and faithfully? We're also going to talk about how we shouldn't share the gospel, which is a very important lesson. But for now, it's about knowing in my soul that God is calling me regularly and responsibly to help make disciples of Jesus Christ. Lent is a season when we journey with Jesus towards the cross. One of the important parts about this Lenten journey is the recognition of who caused it, who necessitated it, and the answer to that is me. I did. It's my fault. I'm the reason Jesus had to go to Calvary. And so are you. And because of this recognition that we are the ones who called the, caused this, this, the necessity of this journey, throughout Lenten history, throughout the history of the church, people have responded in this season of Lent by doing things to express their solidarity with Jesus and his suffering. People give up stuff during Lent. My favorite is people who give up chocolate. Jesus endured the cross for me. No more bonbons for at least 40 days, not including Sundays. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I just, I think it's, I think it's, it's funny. I've done it. I gave up, I tried to give up chocolate. I was unsuccessful. What does that say about me? This is before I went to seminary and learned the tricks, right? 
We've tried at times to identify with us and have solidarity with Christ and his suffering during the season of Lent through acts of omission, but I want to challenge you with the full weight of the gospel this Lenten season. I want to challenge you instead of an act of omission to undertake an act of commission. I challenge you to covenant with God and with yourself that we will not reach Easter Sunday morning without you sharing the gospel with somebody in your life, in your family, one of your co-workers, one of your friends, one of your classmates. And you may not want to do it yet because we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about how we should do it well and how we shouldn't do it. But don't let this season of Lent go without, without responding to the great call, the great commission. I want to challenge you to share the gospel with somebody. And then I want to invite you to tell me about that. Just tell me how it went. Send me an email. Pastor Rob at EbenezerUMC.org. Pastor Rob at EbenezerUMC.org. It's on the website. Send me an email. I want to hear about how it felt, how it was uncomfortable and got more comfortable. Was it weird? What did it feel like? I'll be telling you in the coming weeks about some examples from my life, both in the distant past and more recently. I want you to share with me too. Why? Why do this thing that's culturally uncomfortable, that's weird? Because we're commanded. Because it is the only hope. And because doing so unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's interesting that we begin the season of Lent this year with communion. The communion liturgy, the words we say around the institution of this holy mystery, we don't normally participate in here at Ebenezer. It's kind of a higher church tradition, but I just wanted to share with you what they are. The the opening of the communion liturgy goes like this. It says, Jesus Christ our Lord invites to his table all those who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. Now, at first glance, that sounds like reasonable stuff. But if we're really honest, we're going to lay it out for each other here today. The truth is that Loving Jesus can be really hard sometimes. I don't always do it perfectly. That's for sure. Seeks those, he invites those who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin. Earnestly repent of their sin. I really try to repent of my sin. But sin feels good sometimes who seek to live in peace with one another. You don't know my neighbors, church. The point is, that this opening invitation, Jesus Christ our Lord invites to his table all those who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with one another. It's not meant to really welcome us to the table. It's meant to help us understand that none of us of our own accord deserve to come to this table. You know why? The next words are this. Jesus Christ our Lord invites to his table all those who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin. None of us have measured up. None of us have followed all the commands of Jesus. None of us. So would you join me this time, this day, this holy moment in a prayer of confession? Let us pray together. Holy and merciful God, We confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. Times we have failed to be an obedient church. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. 
We've not loved our neighbors. We've not heard the cry of the needy. We have not shared our faith. We have not. We have not. We have not. And yet still you went. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. Proving once and for all your love for all the earth. So, holy God, free us this day for joyful obedience. Help us to journey with you towards the cross. Help us to center our lives on you, our Lord and Savior, and help us to follow your commands. And so to build your kingdom here and now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. All of God's people said, Amen.